Welcome to Westside Podcast. Each week, we'll take a relevant topic under the microscope to see what the Bible has to say about it. You will gain tools and information you need to support your faith walk and build Christ-centered families in Kansas City and beyond. I'm your host, Troy Kennedy. Well, hey, everybody. We are back with another episode of the West Side Podcast with Pastor Randy Frazee, the man, the myth, the legend. We are here to talk to you about another light topic today, um, something that we don't want to take lightly, but it is very common to all people. Uh, here's the question that came in over Facebook, mm-hmm. um, as we have asked. It says this, if there is really a God, then why does he let all of these bad things happen in the world? That's the perennial question, yeah, it is. right? Yep. People have been dealing with this for millennia, and a lot has been written on the topic. Um, we're going to do our best to address this in, as pastors and uh, as people who, who have walked with lots of other people through their mm-hmm. own hurt and suffering in many ways. The, their argument typically goes like this. Christianity teaches the existence of an all-powerful, all-good, and loving God, but how can that belief be reconciled with the horrors that occur daily? So if there is a God... He must be either all-powerful but not good enough to want an end to evil and suffering, or he's all-good but not powerful enough to bring an end to evil and suffering. Either way, the God of the Bible couldn't exist. For many people, this is not only an intellectual conundrum but also an intensely personal problem. Mm. Their own lives are marred by tragedy, abuse, and injustice. So just the idea of just the problem of pain, the existence of evil and suffering in the world, they just seeing is, is a proof... Uh, either for or against even the existence of God. But yeah. as pastors, you know, that even if we come up with philosophical answers to those questions, yeah. for someone who's actually in the middle of their hurt, yeah. that's just, that's a cold comfort. That's not the kind of uh, counsel that they need. And Randy, you know, you've walked with lots of people through hurt, and even recently in your own family. Yeah. What is sort of your uh, your posture and your approach yeah, to I that? Yeah, I think, th- uh, first of all, I would say that, Troy, there are two conversations here. There's the one that is the intellectual the right. head, and there's the other that's the emotion or the heart. And you got to really clearly know mm-hmm. which conversation you're having because yeah. uh, we, and we will have some logic, some reasoning, mm-hmm. you know, uh, intellectual responses to this that others have written, some of our own ideas. Right. But to the person who has experienced something uh, like a tragedy in their life, an evil yeah. in their life, uh, you, you talk to them very differently. Mm-hmm. And for me, I go, my pattern is found. Uh, uh, in the book of Job, wow. when uh, Job's three friends came to visit him, they did their best work right. when they sat in the ashes with them and kept their mouth shut right. and just empathized with them, held him, mm-hmm. again, sat in the pain with him. And so I think if you're responding to somebody, uh, answers are, you know, don't drive into answers, but, you mm-hmm. know, just sit with people and... Uh, be an extension of God's agent to them, right. and uh, and and in that they will pick up a bit of the the the, the tenderness of God through your ministry to them. Mm-hmm. You know, then when Job's friends opened up their mouth, you know, they were really <laughs> it was a train wreck. Right? They they, they yeah. were just completely wrong with yeah. why something happened to Job. They had no earthly idea, and even when Job began to question it, even though he never cursed God, he began to. Kind of question some things. We never curse God, right. and at the, at the end of the book, you know, God kind of straightens about a little bit. <laughs> and so, I, I also uh, the, the movie. One of my favorite movies is uh, Shadowlands mm, with yeah. C.S. Lewis, and it's the story of how he married this American lady named right. Joy, and he married her when she he, he knew she had terminal cancer, mm-hmm. and uh, and Joy had a 
a son from a previous marriage. Yeah. And in the scene, the one I like, there's several versions of it, the one with Anthony Hopkins, because mm-hmm. he's like awesome. <laughs> and they're up in the attic, you know, by the, uh, you know, by the, the wardrobe, mm-hmm. you know, the line which in the wardrobe right. and the boy, you know, we, you know, he was disappointed that the wardrobe didn't actually lead to Narnia. It just mm-hmm. was a, a blank wall. And he's up in this attic and, and uh, C.S. Lewis played by my, uh, you know, Anthony uh, comes up and, and the boy says, uh, he was just in total, just, just distraught about losing his mother. I think he was maybe 10, 11, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, uh, he says to C.S. Lewis, I don't believe in God. And he's just crying. And C.S. Lewis says, it's okay. It's okay. Meaning C.S. Lewis didn't say, no, there's three reasons why God exists. Right. And they just started bawling together right. in their pain. And so I just think that our, jo- our job, the uh, job of, of, of not even pastors, but a fellow follower of Christ mm-hmm. with someone else is to do the best work uh, by just being there for people, holding right. them. Don't try to provide answers for them. And uh, some people, uh, for me, uh, Troy, uh, for some reason, I've never, my personality, I've never gotten angry with God. Mm-hmm. for the things that have happened to me or the loss in my life. I've been discouraged. I've been yeah. depressed. I've been traumatized, as I've talked about openly. But for other people, they feel a tremendous need to blame God yeah. for it. And that hasn't been my personal experience, but I see why they do. Right. And hopefully we can provide in the responses that we have, uh, we can provide some help not only for those who have an intellectual inquiry, but for those who've got some pain in their life to say, yeah, maybe my view of God needs to be altered just a little bit. But God is able, out of his deep love for us, for us to uh, momentarily you know, uh, want to blame him mm-hmm. for something that may not exactly be right. his fault. Well, and you look through the Psalms and... But a third of the Psalms are laments. Yeah. I mean, and David certainly doesn't seem to hold back at all mm-hmm. um, in terms of his questions, the whys, the hurts that he's having, you know, the I'm up to my neck in the waters and they're covering me. And, you know, I mean, he's he's pretty clear that he's he's not having a good time. And at the same time, he does seem to land in that, mm-hmm. but I'm trusting you. It's like, what did, what did Job say? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that that's one of the things, and we you know we've got we'll go through some of the philosophical issues, but the, where I have landed just in life, it's in general, is this idea that I need to trust the character of God as revealed in Jesus mm-hmm. more than my capacity to know His mind. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, good. Yeah. And and, and aligning uh, aligning your understanding of what's happening in the finite world, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, uh, Force that to align with the goodness of God, and to right. and to be honest with you, I know this is uh, I don't I, I I don't think it's for me is uh, that that we're going to do this podcast and and everyone's going to shut it down and like well that answers it you know never, no one's right. going to ever ask this question before again but um uh, uh there my heart's at peace as to why evil happens my heart's at peace mm. as to how a good God can let it happen. And right. I'm hoping that maybe something we share might transfer to others so that they can have that confidence. Yeah. But it does start with aligning your life to the fact that he's not only the one true God, but he's also a good and personal God. Yeah. And uh, for me, it all lines up um, as much as it needs to for me to be confident. And uh, so let's dive right. in. Yeah. Well, so if I were going to ask you then, why then is there even evil 
in the universe. That's I mean, good. Why, yeah. why is that even a thing? Yeah, so we uh, go back in just the basic narrative of Scripture, and, you know, uh, the, the first sign of evil was when Satan and, mm-hmm. you know, his minions, if you will, decided to rebel against God, and that's mm-hmm. the first sign of evil. And then God creates the current heavens and the earth, mm-hmm. uh, and Adam and Eve, and that evil uh, serpent represented by Satan uh, enters into the garden. So there is that sense that evil is now on the earth through uh, the presence mm-hmm. of Satan and his minions, here represented by a serpent. And uh, then uh, when Adam and Eve are tempted and they fall, sin enters into our nature, which is transferred automatically to mm-hmm. the offspring. Thus, you know, Cain killed Abel probably before Abel had a chance to eventually kill him, because Abel was no less a sinner. Right. You know, Cain was just acting on it first. You know, the golden rule for sinners is, I'm going to do one unto you before you do one unto me. Right. And, uh, and so, so that is the, 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 what I understand uh, from a biblical worldview is the origin of evil comes from the rebellion of Satan, and then when we fell for his deception, mm-hmm. that sin nature, which gives us the propensity for evil, not only cursed our uh, ability to be in the community with God. Mm-hmm. No, God wasn't just saying, hey, if you don't act like I want you to... You know, right. you, we cannot live in community with God right. with, with the evil that we have a propensity to, but it also created a curse of the earth, mm-hmm. and the earth is now groaning as a result of the sin. So this was not a decision that God made. Right. This was a decision that Satan made, an angel, and this is a decision that Adam made who represented us, and that is the origin of evil as I see it. So when evil happens, right. that's its origin, not a God. Now the question would be, well, God, why does God let it happen right. is another question. Yeah. Right. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I've heard a few different mm-hmm. things. You know, one is like if Satan actually made a choice, mm-hmm. Lucifer made a choice, mm-hmm. and a third of the angels with him, mm-hmm. but that doesn't seem to be where... But the universe got, like, I mean, toxic Mm -hmm. until after Adam and Eve. So, I mean, the way I have understood it is there's a sense that Adam and Eve, they made their choice to rebel, and then it was like this idea of sin corrupted everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what is it? Romans 12 said, you know, even all creation is groaning. Groaning, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Waiting for the sons of God or sons of God to be revealed. And so... That's how I understand it. I'm not sure how that works. Yeah, yeah. You know, this But that's idea. what the narrative scripture tells us, is that right. it wasn't just something, it, it, that the earth was uh, mm-hmm. was cursed and, and all that is in it. And yeah, like you say, the groaning is really, really right. good. So it's it's there. And you, and you, and you pin back, pinpoint back and said, well, okay, who made that choice? Right. You'd say, well, it wasn't God. This was not, uh, uh, th- this was not the will of God, although God... The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit anticipated mm-hmm. it because the Scripture tells us they already had a plan in place right. before it even happened uh, that to, to provide redemption right. for what had transpired. Well, so one of the ways I've I've tried to reconcile this in my own mind mm-hmm. is this idea that you know Scriptures, the Apostle John says that God is love, and that uh, love is the highest value in His created universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order for love to be love, it's got to be chosen, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. in other words, you can't be an automaton, a robot of some kind, and, and you know, you be in a relationship. That's not a real thing. You can program it to, to act like it loves you, but it's not really love until sure. it's chosen. So if, if the greatest, the highest value in the universe is love, for, and it has to be chosen, then the reciprocal not love 
has got to be a possibility, mm-hmm. yep. right? It has to be. And so, and if it's not a possibility, then you don't have actual love. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere along the line, then people have to have free will, actual a capacity to choose one or the other. Yeah. And if you choose the other, if you choose the rebellion, if you choose the other thing, right? So that that's like the possibility of evil has got to exist for the possibility of love to yeah. be what it is. That's brilliant. That's really brilliant. And I think someone who's listening to this might want to take it off of one point five. Go back, listen to a little slower, rehearse, you know, rewind it back (laughs) to, I don't even think you rewind things today, but anyhow, (laughs) I'm revealing my age. Uh, uh, And listen to that concept of love, because Mm -hmm. love's the driver of everything. Beautiful description of that. Yeah, thanks. So in order for mankind to experience love, right, they have to have free will. Mm -hmm. In order to have free will, you have to have a choice. And God gives us a choice, right? He's a gentleman. It's like, he's like, look, you, you can choose the with God life. You can choose the without God life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where evil comes from. So, you know, and here's the thing, though. It's like people, they want to blame God. And they would say, okay, uh, you allow all this stuff to happen that is terrible. And you, we want to blame it all on Adam and Eve. I've had friends like in our life group go, you know, what do you think about original sin? It's like, well... I mean, I know what the party line is, but but you had an original sin, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and that's enough. Yeah, that's enough. I had an original sin, you know, and whether you believe in an inherited nature or not, we all hurt one another. We all sin. We all degrade and slander and lie, whether you like it or not, you know. Yeah, um, yeah we give evidence. Right. We give evidence <laughs> the fact that sin has been transmitted because it's 100%. Right. And so I, I, I believe in that because of my view of, you know, as we talked about Trinitarian and image of God, mm-hmm. I believe that, you know, Adam, you know, which means uh, humanity, um, you know, represents, uh, is, we're only, humanity is only one being right. uh, with multiple persons <laughs> out of it. And so I believe right. that what, what happened to the being, Adam, mm-hmm. the first... Uh, you know, it's automatically right, happens right. to all of us born in it. And that's why born again is such an important concept uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. the only way I'm going to be born out of sin is I got to be born again. And Nicodemus said, well, how can this even be? And Jesus said, it's, it's a spiritual birth yeah. where you are no longer connected to the first Adam, but now you're connected to the second Adam. And that's the only way out mm-hmm. of this sin experience. But like you said, even if a person says, I don't really believe that sin has been transmitted yeah. uh, from Adam originally, that, and that's, that's fine because because you know you, you do a pretty good job without Adam. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't you know. even need Adam. And it's one hundred percent. Yeah, uh, it's one hundred percent. So that's usually caused to say a hundred percent of all humanity mm-hmm. chooses to break the law, mm-hmm. chooses to sin, and that's what the law is, right? The law is 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 basically putting a label on our activity right. uh, of a sense of morality, and and ultimately it comes down to uh, you know selfishness and hurting other people mm-hmm. for what we want. Right. That's ultimately what it is. That's really the the root of all human evil, I think, mm-hmm. is, is that at the very core. And even depending on where you, you know, you have your standard, everybody has got their own moral standard, right? And nobody lives up to it. Yeah. And I, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're an atheist, doesn't matter if you're a believer or Muslim or Hindu, whatever it is, everybody's got some sort of ethical standard in it, and apart from maybe the sociopath, you know, yeah. and uh-huh. nobody lives up even to their own standards. And so there's this idea, there's a brokenness in our humanity, there's a brokenness in the world, there's a brokenness in the universe. Mm-hmm. And people want to do is they want to blame God for allowing the possibility of all that hurt. The question I would say is, look, if, if you're going to blame God and you assume he's big enough to take care of all that stuff and to do something about it, mm-hmm. to eradicate evil, 
One, can he eradic eradicate evil without eradicating you? Right, right. That's a I good mean, thing. Yeah. You know, everybody has a can of bad spray. They want to spray all the bad stuff in the world and get rid of it, you know, but they want to hold the cans. Yeah, well, you know, it, it goes back to my understanding of the story of Noah. Uh, you're talking about he'd have to eradicate you. Well, essentially, that's what kind of happened there, you know? <laughs> it's so like, so I think the idea is that in the, in the as I see this, uh, the upper story of God, mm -hmm. you know, the story of Noah is a great story because I think we mostly hear about how faithful he was to build the ark, but I don't really think that was the point, the mm -hmm. main upper story point of the story of Noah. I think the point is is that, uh, you know, from, from, from the sin of Cain, you know, it escalates mm -hmm. to Genesis 6, right? And uh, then we have the uh, we have the flood, and then as soon as Noah gets off the flood, mm -hmm. you know uh, his son. Uh, well, one he's drunk in the tent, and then his son, you know, comes in and defiles him, which might be considered to some uh, kind of a small sin, but nonetheless, it's the germ of a sin. It means right. that when Noah and his family stepped off the boat, the problem wasn't solved. And I think mm -hmm. God's sending us a message, and then it and sin, given time, you know, sin plus right. time right. equals dis 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 disaster, and we get to the Tower of Babel, uh, you know, where God has to, has to separate us right. because we're just, and then, and then soon after that, you know, he limits our, our numbers to 120, which is a gracious move because the longer we have to live, <laughs> the worse we, we, we make it. And I think, and, and so I think the idea is that God's saying, okay, the, the earth with the sons of God uh -huh. cohabitating with the daughters of man is a, is a, is the kind of the, 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 the straw that breaks the camel's back. God needs to step in mm -hmm. and do something about the evil that has emerged. And here's the point I'm going to make later. Later on here, at some point, God does deal with evil, but then when he deals with it, we don't like when he deals with it. And when right. we talk about things like euthanasia and things like that, I hope we can get to some of that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, so basically God said, okay, I'm going to deal with it, and we're going to start over with your best guy. Mm -hmm. Your best guy. It's one of the few times in Scripture God selects the best candidate for the job. Well, the bottom line is, is that you know Noah, who was our most righteous guy. Right. Let's start over and build. You know, with this best guy that you've uh, got. That's really good. I never and uh, and then when Noah mm -hmm. gets off the boat, I mean, we don't know how many how much. I mean, a vineyard has to grow. We you know, next thing you know, the same the, the problem that got onto the boat got off of the boat, and we're exactly in the same spot. <laughs> and that's chapter seven, right, whatever right. of Genesis. And by chapter twelve, we have to do the Tower of Babel again, right. and it's just showing. This, this cycle, and so right. basically what God is saying, okay, we're, the solution to evil mm -hmm. and the solution to your broken relationship with me is not going to come from not even the best of you. It's going to come from somebody other than you, yeah. and that is Jesus, yeah. and he's going to come and represent us, and, uh, and he is going to, uh, mm -hmm. and he's going to, because he's the one who didn't start with sin, you know. Man, so. that's excellent. That's um, yeah, I never thought about <clears throat> Moses. That's pretty funny. No, I'm not to trivialize it by laughing, but it's just it's it, it rings true, and that's why it makes me laugh. I mean, the other piece of that is if God is if if you want to say God is big enough to to stop all, everything without perhaps without getting rid of you, yeah, um, then you got to if you're going to give blame him for all the bad stuff, you kind of give him credit for the good stuff. That's right. Yeah. Right. I mean. That is that. That's just fair. I mean, yeah. that's just illogical. It's like, okay, if he's if he's on the hook for the bad stuff, you got to give him credit for the good stuff. But nobody wants to do that. <clears throat> all of the beauty and all and love <clears throat> and the music and the art and the satisfaction and the love for your children and all of the um, unbelievable beauty and power of the universe. Every good thing comes from above, right? right. <clears throat> so all of that beauty and good attribute yeah. that to God. Yeah. But. No evil can be attributed to God. Yeah. And, and again, I know the question is not so much that God is evil, but that why does he let it happen if mm -hmm. he's good? And um, 
you know, and I think at some point, uh, you know, we have to, you know, a lot of times the question is asked, you know, why does God let bad things happen to good people? Yeah. And that one just tees up the intellectual mm-hmm. who knows the scriptures uh, pretty easily. And that's why I think it was clever that the person didn't word the question that way right. because, you know, that begs the question, you know, who's good? Mm-hmm. You know, why does a bad, God let, let bad things happen to good people? From right. our point of view, uh, Romans says there's not one who is good, no, not right. one. Right. And uh, uh, Tim Keller said, J.J., our student pastor, just gave me this from Tim Keller. I don't know if you yeah. heard he said this phrase. He says, the only bad thing that happened to a good person actually volunteered for it. Oh, and wow. uh, and that's, a, that's a good yeah. point. The only good person... Uh, you know, is Jesus that in the, that's walked our earth, and uh, and and he's the only good person. So, and something right. really evil happened to him, mm-hmm. and he actually volunteered for it. So that really starts to shift your right. thinking quite a bit. I don't know if well, we want to go there yet. Yeah, but. yeah, no, that's perfect. And I think you know we talk about love, the the necessity of the possibility of evil in order for love to exist. The other piece of it, though, there's still this. Well, why did, but why couldn't God have love and still allow all these terrible things to happen? And I, I think there's one thing, and there's a, it's a common philosophical fallacy which you don't introduce to somebody who's in pain. Yes. But it's this idea that because I can't think of a reason, there can't be one. Right. So because I can't think of a reason why God allows pain and suffering, there can't be one. And that's that's an awful lot of confidence mm-hmm. in your own cognitive ability, and uh, and it's also. You know, want to look at God as if He's just sort of a, like a little bit higher order of a being than humanity. Yeah. But the God of the Bible is very different from that. We're yeah. talking about a God who speaks time, space, and matter into existence, and is transcends it. He's immaterial, right? He's He's spirit. He's atemporal. He's He's this eternal being that's got ultimate power and wisdom and creativity, and He creates the possibility for everything and all of the laws of nature like, you know, gravity and the speed of light and the strong and weak nuclear force and all these delicately balanced things in the universe just to even allow the possibility for us yeah. to exist in this little corner of the universe. It's fair to say yeah. he knows things we don't know. Yeah. And he's got a perspective that we can't have. Mm-hmm. And so for us to go, how dare you allow, you know, infinite being, yeah. um, <laughs> these Holy, things to happen, yeah. <laughs> and I can't come up with the reason why you would allow this. It just, it, that doesn't, it doesn't hold a lot of water. No, it, it, it actually is the, the, uh, the, and again, this is our, now kind of shifting to the intellectual side of things. It, it, this is why this question has never really made as much sense to me. I'm not trying to dismiss it for the persons who experienced it, and I know people that are super smarter than me will go like, you're, you're an idiot, but the, I think the, the, the reason it hasn't made a whole lot of sense to me uh, is for for the reason exactly as you're saying. Einstein, you know, told the students one time, how much of your brain do you think we use? And the average is about two percent. And he said, well, I think that's a bit liberal. But what <laughs> if God existed in the other ninety-eight percent? Yeah. And uh, and I think that that's a little bit to your point. Yeah. It's like, is it possible that in our, that we're finite, and even in our finiteness, we're only using two right. percent of our brain power? Mm-hmm. You know, that is that God has given us. And and that what are, what are the chances that there? Are you sure you want to go mm-hmm. there, given your situation right. compared to God? And and another thing is, it's like uh, it, it it doesn't disprove the existence of God. Mm-hmm. It may prove to some people that God isn't good, but I think you have to separate the two. First mm-hmm. of all, does God exist? 
it could be debatable whether he needs to be good or not. And I and I right. give, give the analogy like remember Idi Amin, mm-hmm. you know the the tyrant, you know Uganda uh, Uganda guy. Mm-hmm. And it you know for it would be like a citizen of Uganda back when Idi Amin was in power to. Uh, because Idi Amin is evil, to deny that he existed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, no, I'm pretty sure he existed, and if you deny his existence, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're going to pay for it. Right. So you don't, God does not, uh, to, for God to exist, that's one thing, mm-hmm. and uh, he doesn't have to be good. You know, we don't get to design mm-hmm. a God in our mind. God is who he is, not who we conjure him up to be. He's not a figment of our imagination. So the good news for Christianity is that God is good. Now the question becomes, how do right. we reconcile right. all of the evil? So so uh, the idea of using good, yeah. the, the the idea of using the presence of evil uh, as a, as an argument against right. the existence of any god right. doesn't make any sense because you know Greek mythology I mean the gods those gods were like ornery you know right. uh, you know ornery characters that mm. are zapping each other and had great joy in zapping <laughs> you they're like evil yeah we right. live for it right they had all of the human foibles in every every way but we're talking about the god of the Bible which is so we don't know the reason he allows suffering to continue. But here's the thing. The, the Christian God shows up. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this last week when we talked about kenosis in a really powerful way that this, the God of the universe, as we just described, would enter in and submit himself to his creation. God would suffer. And there's no other worldview, there's no other religious worldview in any, any way that allows for a God to suffer. Not only mm-hmm. does he suffer, he suffers because he loves. Right, right. And that's utterly unique to Christianity. Yeah, yeah. So this idea that, that God would come in and enter in with the plan to redeem us, it, it, it doesn't give us all the answers as to why he allows suffering, but it tells us what they're not. Yeah. You know, they're not because... He wasn't willing to hurt. They're not because he was indifferent or distant, mm-hmm. right? They're not because he didn't have empathy or doesn't care. They're not because he doesn't love us. We may not ever f- get a fully satisfactory answer, mm-hmm. but but just that reality there, the resource of that for someone who actually is suffering yeah. is something that nothing else offers us in the world. Well, and, and you can take that a step further, and that is is that, you know, the and just kind of restating what you said and then taking it another step further is that you know he's the only good person who actually experienced evil but he did experience this evil at our hands it was mm-hmm. humans right. who executed the evil so now the tables are a bit turned on the question right and the reason he allowed that to happen was ultimately to save the people who did it to him. Mm-hmm. And there's something about the concept of love there, the construct of love, that begins to wow. really bend your mind right. in a big way. He allowed the evil of humanity to be brought upon himself voluntarily mm-hmm. uh, for the purpose of saving and redeeming yeah. the very people who did it to him. And all of a sudden, this begins to soften the edges of this question in a very powerful way. Because, you know, someone said that, you know, uh, most kings send their people out to die for the king. But in our case, we have mm-hmm. a king who sent himself out to die for his people. Wow. And uh, that begins to, again to change it, it, the paradigm of the question altogether. And I think this is where uh, a follower of Jesus mm-hmm. who has the spirit within them, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and begins to have that illumination of the scriptures, yeah. begins to sort of be able to sort out a little bit more of this insertion that you started with of love into the equation of yeah. evil, which has to be because it's the opposite. Well, and then, so God, thats that just explains why God has a solution to the problem yep. of suffering without eradicating you and I. That's right. He shows up. 
he shows up. There you go. Oh, it's brilliant. That's and he, brilliant. And he takes it on himself. Yeah. So uh, Albert Camus, who's a philosopher, he says it like this, Christ, the God-man, suffers too with patience. Evil and death can no longer be entirely imputed to him since he suffers and dies. The night on Golgotha is so important in the history of man only because in its shadows the divine divinity ostensibly abandoned its traditional privilege and lived through to the end, despair included the agony of death. This is explained by the Lama Sabachthani, the frightful doubt of Christ in agony. Mm-hmm. That's how he solves the problem with, right. without destroying us and ultimately redeems the universe through it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, what I think when you look at this from the broader upper story perspective, you see that God is not is not the, the cause of evil, but God is the solution to mm-hmm. evil once and for all yeah. and uh, and and when you look at the scriptures, uh, you know you would think that if God's trying to trip us up a little bit, that He would have edited the Bible in such a way that it <laughs> it wouldn't have all of this present this present this presence of evil in right. the Old and the New Testament. Right. You know, God, God wasn't hiding right. from a potential follower that evil exists in the world, and He's interacting with it all the time. And I, I you know, taking the story of the Amorites, you know, where yeah. you know, they, I mean, He basically issued genocide. Uh, you know, against the Amorites, and but if you go back and look at the whole story, uh, the Amorites were evil, evil mm. people. They were inflicting evil right. not only on people, but uh, there comes a point where evil is so inculcated into a culture. We talk about cultures in business today, mm. cultures in churches. Well, there's a, there's such a thing that a, a multiple generations of something being uh, being propagated. You see this when you go to you know, communities that are are, are steeped in poverty. Mm-hmm. The people think poor. Yeah. Uh, and, and they have a hard time getting out of it because they have no other way to think. And so you get into a community like the Amorites, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was the whole community thought that way, generation after generation, and people are just being devastated by it. And then they started messing with Israel. Now you're starting to mess with the upper story plan of God right. to bring this one God mm-hmm. in, into our world to provide the solution for evil. And, uh, and, and so God says to, you know, to ultimately, hey, we need to, we need to wipe them out. Like, mm-hmm. Wow, that's I mean, men, women, and children. It's like, oh my gosh, this is—is is that what it really says? And like, okay, I don't know, man. Right. Wow, that's crazy. Oh, I can't serve a God who's going to do that. But yet, you go back. Uh, I think it was 600 years earlier. He s- said to Abraham, mm-hmm. "I'm going to give you this land. Right. I'm going to give you this land, but I can't give it to you yet mm-hmm. because the fullness of time is not yet. The fullness, the e- the evil of the Amorites has it's not, not reached its fullness. Yeah. What does that mean? It did. It meant that you're, you're going to have to like uh, be nomadic." And I'm going to put you in Egypt for 400 years because the, the, the fullness of the Amorites, it hasn't reached its fullness yet. Their evil hasn't reached a point where it's no longer acceptable. I have to deal with this evil. So God's right. dealing with this evil. Right. And, uh, and, and why was he waiting? Because he's hoping mm-hmm. that the Amorites will turn from their ways just like when Jonah preached to the Ninevites. They turned right. and God was willing and excited to offer mm-hmm. compassion and repentance to them, which Jonah said, that's why I didn't want to go. I knew if they would repent, you would turn your you would you would you would turn around and offer them love and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But the Amorites would have none of it. And so he waited at least six hundred years before he executes us. And now today all we talk about is not how did God, you know, deal with evil right. by right. by eliminating us, mm-hmm. by taking us out, but we now struggle with the fact that he did deal with evil. We just right. didn't like the way he dealt with it. Right. And so it's like you can't have it both ways. Right. you got to pick your lane. Well, and 
I, I remember I did a study on the Old Testament violence, you know, a long time ago. And the fact is, like you said, God was patient mm-hmm. with the Amorites, and mm-hmm. He waited and He waited and He waited and He waited. And you know, today we have no problem thinking of the uh, the Allied forces going to Europe and beating down the Nazis. That's right. Right. These people were of a whole other order of evil beyond even the Nazis, the kinds of things that they were doing. So without getting into the weeds on that, um, here's the thing. If you can't bite down on Christianity because of a question you might have like that, because you don't feel like you've got a satisfactory answer to all of the potential problems in the Old Testament or whatever, God showed up. (laughs) Right. He showed up so that we could know him so that we can know that he wasn't indifferent and that he was close. And if we see all of those other things through the lens of a God who wanted to show up for a solution to evil, yeah. right? And with the assumption that, you know, someone dying is not necessarily the worst thing that could happen to them, mm-hmm. um, but being separated eternally from God is. And and we got a God who knows things we don't know, <laughs> who has a relationship with the Amorites that we can't entirely understand, how he dealt with them, how he drew them to himself, how he revealed himself to them. God is just and he is love. And we have to assume that there's some stuff that happened there that we don't, we're not aware of. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, you said some really great things there, Troy. Uh, and, I, and I think one of the things we have to keep in mind mm-hmm. is that uh, the scriptures talks a lot about judgment. Mm-hmm. And it's basically saying that Jesus is returning to judge the earth. And uh, and the reality is, is they say, I can't believe they got away with it. And, mm-hmm. and God is saying from his timetable, uh, no, they did not. All things will be brought to judgment. Everything mm-hmm. will be brought to light. And everything will, will have its day in court. And everything will be made right. right. You know what I'm saying? And so mm-hmm. it, it, the, idea is that, um, the, the, the idea is that just because you don't feel like he's dealt with it according to how you thought he should deal mm-hmm. with it or in the timetable he's dealt with it, uh, it doesn't mean he's not dealing with it. And that you better be careful that um, you, don't, you want him to deal so swiftly with evil that is executed in our world because then he applies that to you. Don't you want a little mm-hmm. bit of grace for the person right. that you hurt? If God right. said, okay, okay, I'm going to do it your way for a while. Let's see how this really works. <laughs> I'm not going to let any evil exist. Mm-hmm. So the next time you gossip and slander, right. which, by the way, is evil. Mm-hmm. It's evil, okay? Maybe it's not as the extent of evil you think of uh, shooting somebody, right. but it's evil. That's it. I'm going to take you out, and that's how I'm going to deal with it. Right. And you're like, no, 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 I don't want... I don't want you to deal with my evil. I want you to deal with that evil over right. there. Is that fair? We want justice when it's someone else. We That's want right. mercy when it's us. That's exactly mercy right. Mercy is a wonderful value when it's pointed in your direction. That's exactly but right. when you point it at the other person that you really don't like. That's exactly right. We're not so cool with it. Yeah. And yeah. he's going to eventually deal with it. Now, fortunately for the, those of us who have received Christ, mm-hmm. you know, he's separated our sins as far as the east is from the west. And this is a really amazing, amazing mm-hmm. uh, promise that is made to us. But in order to do that, going back to your, I think, best point of all in the podcast so far, is that Jesus entered into this and 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 took this on to himself mm-hmm. uh, at our own hands uh, so that we might have a solution from it. And a solution is coming. And I think, oh, another thing you said, okay, mm-hmm. that I, I forgot about. because I'm. Please six, tell me, because I don't remember anything. I'm said, 60 yeah. years old, yeah. and if I don't get it out here really quickly, <laughs> yeah. I will forget. I've already done it. I forgot it again. <laughs> no, it, it was something uh, that you said, oh, about, um, oh, golly gee whiz, uh, 
go on. I'm going to interrupt. Okay, you so we we look at this. It's easy to look at the Nazis, and it's easy to look at people who do these horrifying things around the world, and they're making their choices, and 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 it's like easy to go. Okay, I understand that people make choices, people do evil things, and other people suffer because of that. All right, but what about natural evil? What about right. earthquakes and tsunamis and uh, COVID-19 and, you know, well, we might be blaming somebody for that, but I mean, but, you know, but all these things that happen in the world that appear to be just nature gone, you know, gone wild and trying to take us out and human beings suffer. Why does God allow all of that kind of yeah. suffering to occur? I, I mean, it's, it, it, that, you know, I, I don't have as, uh, as much to say about that, but here's what I do have to say about it. I think number one, uh, we see it talked about in, we see it in scriptures, mm-hmm. you know, we see floods and we see uh, we see prophecy right. related to uh, earthquakes and wars mm-hmm. and things like that. So we see natural uh, issues that are emerging. And um, I think we go back to the notion or the idea that one, uh, when evil entered into our world through Adam, it didn't just affect Adam and Eve; it affected mm-hmm. the creation itself. Right. And so it's groaning, uh, it's dying itself. You know, we know that it's dying. Second law of thermodynamics: it's dying, mm-hmm. and uh, and it, it's groaning. And then also, I think there's a possibility as you look at the cycle of things. You know, some people that are trying to debate this issue of climate. You know. You know, the, the climate issues and all that says the earth is just on a cycle and uh, you know just like the leaves you know fall off in the in the winter time and they have a, it has a cycle so the, the earth as a whole mm-hmm. has a grand cycle uh, where it's covered in water it's not covered in water it does mm-hmm. this and it, it does that it, it freezes yeah. it does this it does that and it's a cycle mm-hmm. and that ultimately has something to do with the natural order of things uh, sustainability mm-hmm. something probably way beyond I'm just like not now Sort of out there pontificating way beyond my 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 certification, uh, but but uh, <laughs> not you know, a Dallas to, seminary. Yeah, yeah, we didn't really that. cover that a whole lot, a little bit. But you know, that's my, my my pondering is that there right. could be again in our finiteness, we have yet to discover. You know, why does a tsunami happen? Mm-hmm. You know, in, in our limited sort of lower story perspective, but from a God perspective, where He's existing in the other ninety eight percent, there may be uh, purposes for the tsunami that were baked into the deal that mm-hmm. are just a part of it. Oh, and you know, the thing you said is that it's not ultimately, uh, the, uh, the ultimate deal from the biblical worldview is not dying. Mm-hmm. You know, the death of this body is not the worst thing that can happen to you. Right. That is, we got to camp on that for just a little bit, yeah. because if you're killed in a tsunami, uh, if it wasn't the tsunami, it was going to be cancer. If right. it wasn't cancer, it was going to be a big truck or right, 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 whatever. Right. And I don't mean to be insensitive to to that whole deal, but you know, the 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 giving out of your physical body is a given whenever it happens, mm-hmm. and so that cannot be the thing you try to solve. It's not going to be solved. Right. Uh, you've got to give up this body. It's it's mm-hmm. an, a perishable body th- that Adam received, and that. That Jesus has provided the ultimate the ultimate right. solution is eternal life with God in an imperishable resurrected body in a new earth that is not dying. And once you get the end objective in mind where God is going, you're like realizing everything is pointing to that upper mm-hmm. story promise to us. Then all of the stuff in between becomes less of an issue because you realize you've made the wrong thing mm-hmm. the issue. Oh man, well, so, and I think too the the alternative, the godless alternative, right? isn't helpful at all mm-hmm. because wh- where do you get the idea that it's unjust where do you get the idea yeah. that there's such a thing as evil you know we 
you look at nature, right? Nature is red in tooth and claw, right? We yeah. got here by things, the strong eating the weak, yeah. um, by, by, by living things, organisms existing and suffering and hurting and uh, dying and evolving. And, you know, if, if that's the case, then there's nothing more natural yeah. in the world than nature taking some other part of nature out. Yeah, you can't get around it, and brilliant. so, but why? So why do we think though? We, but we don't just think that like. We actually think it's wrong. We don't just not prefer it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't just dislike the yeah. fact that these happens. I yeah. actually believe that there's something objectively unjust and wrong mm-hmm. about that. And the thing is, is if you don't have an objective source out here telling you that this is wrong, where are you getting that from? I mean, um, what? Martin Luther King Jr., when he was in the Birmingham jail, he, he wrote something I thought was really powerful. He, he said that, how do you know that a, a law is, is, is unjust? Because of a higher law, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, there's some higher law out there that's informing you mm-hmm. and I that it's not supposed to be like this. That's right. That's, so, yeah, this so is actually you, wrong. No, it's, it's, I mean, it's, again, we're into the logic of this, and it makes logical sense. So, you know, right. for me, if, if you're going to be an atheist, like you're going like to go, go solo with this, this is going to mm-hmm. be the play you make, then go pure with it. Mm-hmm. And don't call um, tsunamis or someone, you know, surviving and kill somebody for bread. Don't call that evil, because if there's no God, there is no morality, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, someone could argue that we can create our own sense of morality, and that right. doesn't make any sense. But a, a pure, what you you know, pure atheists would stop blaming God because they don't believe in God. But then they got to say they're not believing in God because you don't believe he exists. But you, you can't say you don't believe in God because there's evil in the world. Because mm-hmm. you, why would you call it evil? Why would you call it evil? Why right? would you call it evil to begin right. with? It's and just I, stuff that happens and you don't yeah. like it yeah we just need to right. line up uh, with some purity uh, and i think that's why a lot of us you know it's uh, purity to our, our, our if we're going to go with the lane go with it all the way and be consistent right. with it right. which i i respect that and if the universe is just got gui- uh, these unguided natural forces then there's no reason to expect anything different we actually should be surprised when it goes well Yes, exactly. We should be stunned when things are going okay. It's like, I can't believe I survived another day with everything that's out to get me. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> All right. the organisms in my body and, you know, the weather and the sun and exposure and the, where they're changing mm-hmm. and all. Everything is, is, is a grand conspiracy, but yet there's like six billion of us still on the planet. Mm-hmm. And we should really be surprised. At that the, it's going so well. It's, it's holding together. So well. yeah. It holds together. I wake up and, you know, and right. it, it's, a, it's a Sunday. Right. It's, it's a, the, the sun is up again, you know, and uh, it's just mm-hmm. the, the, the amazing consistency is, is there. I mean, you know, but if, you know, if, you know golly gee whiz, you know, if, you know, we're like, you know, like rabbit. I mean, the rabbit's got more predators than like anybody on the planet. Like, you know, I think God, you know, has them procreate so fast because because everybody's eating them. And right. uh, and so I think that the idea we should be super mm-hmm. surprised that things are going as well as they are. And I do believe that some of that is because of the intervention of a mm-hmm. good God. Every good thing comes from. Above. Well, and you could say, like, for instance, uh, if if we're going to talk about the Nazis, right? And there's there's human suffering that happens there and you have one group of people that rose up and you could you could argue that it was a very democratic process you know they voted hitler in mm-hmm. and he took over and he did what he was going to do and they were their 51 percent decided that the 49 percent or how whatever it was um were wrong mm-hmm. and 51 percent decided that we should exterminate the jews mm-hmm. you know and the 51 and the thing is is that we go that's horrible no one thinks like that but you and I see, we believe in something called human rights, mm-hmm. 
right? We believe that there's something that humans have rights. Yep, yep. And the whole point of human rights is so that the 51% can't vote out the 49. Yep. You can't, 51% can't vote that you no longer have the dignity to life. You no longer have the dignity of thought or freedom of speech or religion or whatever those things that, that there's actually objectively existing human rights mm-hmm. so that the majority can't just eradicate you because yeah. they don't want to see you. Well, that's that's like one of those external laws again. That's a higher law yeah. beyond the other laws that you have to acknowledge everybody kind of buys into. No, I think that is uh, I think that is really a a great point that that we do have we can't control all evil mm-hmm. and God is going to ultimately right size it, but that we can within our humanity and in the morality that God transfers mm-hmm. to us, we can uh, stand up for human rights and and we can eliminate an evil. Mm-hmm. We can, you know, we can deal with an evil. So one of the answers is, you know, ev- could a little less evil exist because I'm in the world? Mm-hmm. And I right. think, uh, you know, I think of uh, a, st- a statistic I heard about uh, the, the Nazis. It's like, uh, you know, only five, per- you know, at the end of the day, there was this vote, but at the end of the, you know, that only 5% really actually executed on the the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the exterminated the, the Jews. Only five percent of the population was trying to do anything about it. Ninety mm-hmm. percent of the world sat and did nothing. Right. So one of the reasons why evil exists in our world because that ninety percent decided not to do anything. Mm-hmm. And if they would have taken, it would have been more Dietrich Bonhoeffers in the world right. who stood up and ultimately was hung for his attempt to try to eliminate right. some sort of evil in the world. You know that was in front of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there would be less evil, and that calls us to say, okay, we're not. 1940s anymore or 2021 what would that mean for us and what are the evils that we can enter into and 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 help to eliminate some sort of uh uh, human right violation you know uh, and i you know i have things that come to my mind but i think that uh, that's the idea but at the end of the day we really humanity agrees on a certain amount of things that we we really believe they are objectively right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's C.S. Lewis's whole point in in Mere Christianity. That's like the theme of the book. It's this yeah. idea that there is an existing moral law that exists outside of what we feel, how we feel about it. Um, and when we t- and Lewis writes when he talks about the like idea of natural mm-hmm. evil, he mm-hmm. says he says this in part of his journey to become a Christ follower. He says, my argument against God was that the universe seemed so cruel and unjust, but how had I got the idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing the universe with when I called it unjust? Of course, I could have given up my idea of justice by saying that it was nothing but a private idea of my own, right? You Mm -hmm. just kind of come up with your own morality. Mm -hmm. But, But if I did that, then my argument against God collapsed too, for the argument depended on saying that the world was really unjust, not simply that it did not happen to please my private fancies. Mm. Thus, in the very act of trying to prove that God does not did not exist, in other words, the whole of reality was senseless, mm-hmm. right? Unguided forces. I found I was forced to assume that one part of reality, namely my idea of justice, was full of sense. Consequently, atheism turns out to be too simple. So once again, you know, you don't get to an entirely satisfactory explanation of human suffering. Um, but that leads us kind of really to the resource that Christianity brings. Yeah, yeah. That God Himself would show up and suffer alongside us. Yeah, yeah. I like the word "senseless" there. If I think if I read it to how He used it, you know. But it, you know, it just it, when you start to di- dive into a different paradigm like Lewis and like we've been chatting about here, all of a sudden it it helps. It's it's helped me over the years as a mm-hmm. person not to be so worked up about this. So mm-hmm. when my uh, when my mother died. 
at the age of 62, was very uh, pancreatic cancer. And now more recently, which I thought was so super young, and now in the course of six months, I've had a brother-in-law die of a rare form of cancer, and then another yeah. brother-in-law just dr dropped from a heart attack. Um, you know, when she died, uh, it was more like a David experience for me. I pleaded for my mom's life, you know, much like David did, where he didn't eat and he laid prostrate, prostate on the, on the, on the ground. I did that on the on the chapel floor and just wouldn't move. And then uh, when it became when it became evident that this was going to happen, uh, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden I got up and I go like, okay, well, this is the way things go. Sixty two is right. it. I now need to let her go. I've got limited time to help my mom die. And I never found myself angry with God because God never hid in His Word that that's exactly what's going to happen. Right. And you know, and, and it says you know in the scriptures that our days are numbered. And I think you know maybe God does have a sense that you know. He's got the date set for you, but it doesn't say that God, you know, that God has ordained it. I mean, I think God knows about it, mm -hmm. uh, you know. But you know, we're living in uh, sin-filled bodies. We're living in perishable <laughs> bodies, and it's just going to happen. And right. and I remember God uh, whispering into my spirit when I was a, I was a bit like, "Come on, God, why I serve you? Why not?" And he right. goes, "Okay, Randy, what right. would make you happy with me? Yeah. You want me to give your mom sixty-two? You want me to give you twenty more years with her?" Uh, would that be? Would that be? Would you consider that good? And, uh, and enough, yeah. you want you want you want twenty five? You give me give me the number. Right. And I like I want eternity. Like that's what I provided you. Wow. You know I'm saying okay, different question right. altogether, right? And right. so now my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. <laughs> you know. That's fantastic. And you know, and the, the thing is, is I've always believed this. In, and you know, we're gonna one of these days we're gonna talk about election predestination yeah all, why all not why not cover things. that too right <laughs> but not today um, but this idea that I don't I've never believed that God causes our suffering yeah I, I believe that he can redeem it yeah I believe he allows the possibility of it yeah and I believe he redeems it for his purposes for something beyond because if God himself suffers that means that our suffering isn't senseless that's right suffering has a purpose in it mm -hmm. suffering has a purpose in it one of my favorite examples is in the old testament with joseph you know mm. joseph oh, god gosh. gives joseph a yeah. dream two dreams where his brothers are going to bow down to him obviously shouldn't have shared it with his brothers because they didn't like it and they betray him they beat him up and sell him into slavery and he goes 22 years of ups and downs separated from his mm. father he was just a young boy right. he's terrorized i mean this is evil at a very very common level and um and then when his when, when you know 22 years later when his brothers come and acts you know inadvertently bow down to him because they need food to survive and to live you know ultimately he says to them what you meant for evil mm -hmm. god meant for good not what god meant for evil right. but what you meant for evil to me god had a higher purpose in the sufferings that i went through and because i figured it out yeah. that he brought me here uh and allowed me to go through what i did to trust in him so i would be the kind of leader uh, for israel that, that that they needed that that i could be counted on i could see god i could see how he was with me and got me through all these difficult situations it saved israel and the saving of israel is really important because god made a promise that the yeah. messiah would come through whose name is jesus and he's basically Basically saying, I got that somewhere along the way, which gave me the ability to forgive you. But the right. evil he didn't say came from God. The evil came from his brothers. And but God took that evil and put purpose to it. To which uh, Romans eight twenty eight says, you know, we know. 
that in you know that 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 for those of us who love God and are called according to His purpose, right. that everything's going to work out for the good. It doesn't say my good because I would then be the judgment. Like, well, God, I don't really. Right. I think good would be a little. Make, I'd be a little richer or something <laughs> right. like that. But for the ultimate good that we can't necessarily see. So where I find mm-hmm. help. Help, help for me in this personally when it now moves away from intellect to you know mm-hmm. sort of a visceral effect is I can deal with the fact that I and I've seen it that that uh, suffering uh, has some amazing purposes in it and you've talked to a cancer patient and said why would God give me cancer if you ever talk to a cancer many believers who are cancer patients mm-hmm. who come to the end of it and say I am so grateful for my cancer what are they saying that they think cancer is right. evil? Yeah, they're not saying that. It's like the brothers. What you meant for evil, cancer, God meant for good. Because I got a couple things going for me right now. Number one, I've got my priority straight. Number two, I got to know God a whole lot better. And number three, I'm not as afraid of the next thing that's going to come and eventually take my life because I had right. to deal with it now. And my fear for you, who's never had to deal with suffering, yeah. is that you're not prepared for the inevitable. And that is, this body of yours is going to give out, and the body of all the people. People you know is going to give out, not because God doesn't want that, but because of sin. And Jesus entered into this space for us so that we can have hope that right. we could rise again. Right. And the hope that we have isn't just the fact that He entered in and suffered. Yeah. He entered in, He suffered, and He triumphed. Yeah. The resurrection hope is the resource for us as Christ followers that is is unparalleled in anything because. See, we, we, once again, we're not entirely sure why he allows all these things, we, and we know what those reasons aren't. And we also know one thing, that all the evil and injustice and hurt and suffering and slander and lies and the fallacies of the world do not have the last word. They do not. Because of the resurrection hope mm-hmm. and the promise of that hope that Jesus proved with an empty tomb. And then he showed up and he talked to everybody and he, he ate breakfast with them on the beach, yeah. right? And hundreds of people saw him and then he ascended and he said, keep your eyes up. Yep. Keep looking up, right? Keep, keep aware. Don't, don't be down in the mud. Don't be down in the ditch. You're, yeah, you're going to hurt. But I have overcome that hurt. I yeah. have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble, mm-hmm. but, you know you know, uh, yeah. have hope because I've overcome the world. Yeah. And, you know, Revelation talks about a day when all of that evil is going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Right. And those of us who have just simply by receiving the gift of the forgiveness right. of sin through the blood of Christ, uh, Romans tells us that there is now no more condemnation to us mm. and that all the evil that we did, let's talk about our evil for a little bit, not just right. the evil in the world, the evil that's in my heart, the, right. you know, the, the evil that has hurt people and said things to people or for the person listening that might have done something, you know, might have murdered somebody, might have like divorced somebody, might have been, you know, you know that w- it was just more selfish and, you know, and basically to say, wow, I'm just so glad that there is a merciful God out there and my sin will be cast into the lake of fire, but that I will not be condemned for it. That, you golly gee, guys, you got to really focus on that. And it brings about redemption, not just for you and I, but restoration for his universe. Yeah. For heavens and the earth are yeah. going to be made whole. They're going to be as they were intended to yeah. be. That's that's the resurrection hope. That's the Christian hope. It's about you and I finally integrated in harmony with everything as it was made That's to right. be. And I, I love this in uh, The Lord of the Rings, because um, I'm, I'm that nerd. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm that okay. guy. I'm going to um, let you go there. At the, at the end of the book, um, Sam Gamgee, he discovers that Gandalf, his friend, was not dead, but alive. And he cries. He says this. This is beautiful. He says, I thought you were dead, but then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to come untrue? Mm-hmm. And the Christian answer is yes. Yes, exactly right. Everything sad is going to come untrue because it's going to be redeemed. Lewis writes, and he says this, of temporal suffering, no future bliss can make up for it, not knowing that heaven, once attained, will work backwards and turn even that agony into a glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so. yeah, I know with uh, C.S. Lewis, he said, um, with, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, back to the movie Shadowlands, a, a big theme of the uh, the movie was this phrase, uh, with joys dying of cancer. Right. You know, he's, he said, um, you know, basically... The joy now is the pain then, meaning the the joy we have of being. If you enter into a relationship like he did with Joy, you know, and, and he had joy with her, basically you've signed up for pain because one of you is going to die, mm-hmm. and you know the only way you can eliminate that kind of pain is to never enter into the joy of community, to right. enter into the joy of companionship. But then he got to the end of the movie and said, but the pain now is the joy then, meaning that, yeah, uh, we have this pain now, but because of Christ, there's going right. to be this ultimate restoration, and we're going to experience this right. joy, which is a fascinating idea. And so you've got to really focus your paradigm on the big idea of the mm-hmm. Scripture uh, of what Jesus ultimately solve for us. And there is not only the elimination of evil amongst humans, but the cursing of the earth, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. is going to be, is there's a, a re- revelation, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and it's going to stop groaning for crying out loud, <laughs> and uh, and that's going to be a, 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 a cool thing. And, and you know, Paul and the, uh, and the writers of the epistles encourage us, we don't sit around and talk about that enough. And so, therefore, we get lost in the muck and the mire right. of the lower story, and it, it causes us to focus. And even if I dare might say, have the audacity uh, to do what Job's uh, what, what Job did, and maybe challenge God with the not knowing. And, just, and it's really interesting with the Job story. You know, the contract that God made with Satan. It's like, holy smokes, what is that all about? <laughs> uh, and, and and Job's life was restored in this life, right. and yet Job was never told the why. Right. Uh, why did it all happen to begin with? And the really good news is it was chosen because Job was considered a righteous dude, yeah. and uh, he was selected because you know God let him go through. It, it appears to me God let him go through that. Uh, you know, it, it had enormous purpose in it, so that people like us today who go through suffering read the book of Job and get so much out of it, and it served mm-hmm. an enormous amount of purpose. So God enters into the universe. He submits himself to his own creation. Yep. He, he humbles himself to become like his own creation, mm-hmm. and he suffers. But the suffering doesn't have the last word with Jesus, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have the last word with those of us yeah. who are in Christ. Mm. That is the Christian hope. Mm. And that's what we wanted to point to you today. Mm. We just, you know, there's all the intellectual issues and the rational problems and, you know, philosophers have been debating those things for millennia. But maybe you're really hurting right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're really going through your own version of a Holocaust. Mm. And I just want to say, God has come close. He is near to you, to the brokenhearted. He is mm-hmm. near to the, the contrite in the heart. He's not going to snuff you out. He's going to be present. He's going to be close. And he understands mm-hmm. like you can't possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. And so our prayer for you is that you would get your head up. Mm-hmm. You get your eyes up. 
and fix them on Jesus, the author and perfecter, the finisher, the completer of our faith mm. for your hope in a world that can't offer that to you. Randy, thank you so much, my friend. Yeah. I always appreciate these conversations. Yeah, these are good conversations. We don't overly plan them. We just kind of both mm-hmm. kind of, you, you lay it out, and uh, and I think uh, God shows up and yeah. helps us through this in a way that we can have a little bit of intellect there, share some wisdom from other folks, and yet uh, trust that uh, we're also ministering to people who these topics affect them in a yeah. deep, visceral way. Yeah. So thank you, my friend. Well, thanks to everybody who is listening or watching, and we would ask you to continue to submit your questions and those things that are weighing on your heart, and we will do our best in future episodes to try and address them. God bless you. Have an amazing week. We hope the conversation has challenged you and perhaps sparked some new ideas. If you'd like some additional notes and helpful links, visit the episode page at westsidefamily.church slash podcast. And if you have questions, we'd love to hear them. Our last episode of the season, we'll devote an entire show to your questions. So you can also tell us what topics you'd like to hear and discuss in the future. Thank you for joining us today and God bless you.